right. Welcome back for another episode of Chew the Bible. It's your good friend, Aaron. And it's September 23rd. It is now 9.01 in the evening or at night. And we are in 1 Samuel chapter 26. We just saw David <clears throat> sent his ser- some uh, servants out to go talk to this man named, uh, what was the man's name? Nabal. And it, apparently his name meant idiot. And he actually acted like, or name, his name meant stupid. And he did act with stupidity because he didn't listen to his wife. Uh, <laughs> who was trying to tell. Yeah, because these servants came and were like saying, hey, David and our and our troops have and our followers, we've been guarding your, yeah, because Nabal was this rich man. Had a lot of flock, a lot of animals, a lot of land, and um, yeah, David and his men had been guarding his flocks for the whole time they were out in that wilderness, hiding, right? Hiding from Saul. And so when his servants go out to tell Nabal, like, hey, we just want some food. Can you hook us up with some food? That's all we want is some food. A few things, some supplies and some food. He's like, who's David? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then they take that message back to David. And David's like, what? This fool Nabal doesn't know even what's going on on his fields. How I've been protecting him, the audacity. And so David's ready to go kill. David's ready to just go, go shank Mr. Nabal and his whole family. And, uh, but Abigail, his fine, intelligent wife, <laughs> went over to David, interceded on on Nabal and his family and their family's behalf. And like, hey, don't shed innocent blood. Don't kill. I know my husband's an idiot. She bows down to the ground. She's like, hey. And she took a bunch of supplies and food like, it, without telling her husband. It's like, hey, here you go. Here you go. I apologize. My husband is an, an idiot. That's what his name means. And yeah, he has a bad temper. Um. which makes i'm like shocked once again why she married this man but as i said before money can uh will make a yeah can money makes the conversations a lot easier in relationships so even yeah you can be a jerk uh i'm not saying it's smart but yeah people do marry folks because of the state of their flocks and uh how much land they got and then they, a lot of times they grow to regret it later on because they have situations like this. They marry a Nabal. And then anyway, God ends up, yeah, David ends up listening to Abigail uh, and uh, doesn't kill Nabal and their whole family. And then 10 days later, uh, yeah, Abigail blesses David and uh, his whole crew. And then, yeah, 10 days later, uh, Mr. Uh, Nabal dies of a stroke or a heart attack or both, something like that. He dies. Here you go. Now we're in First Samuel chapter 26. This, then the Ziphites came to Saul at Gibeah saying, David is hiding on the hill of Hakaliah. Hakaliah, there we go. Opposite Jeshimon. So Saul accompanied by 3,000 of the fit young men of Israel, went immediately to the wilderness of Ziph to search for David there. Saul camped beside the road at the hill of Hakalah, 
opposite Jeshimon. David was living in the wilderness and discovered Saul had come there after him. So David sent out spies and knew for certain that Saul had come. Immediately, David went to this place where Saul had camped. He saw the place where Saul and Abner, I love that name, Abner. My brother was in this play at his school. Well, he wasn't in the play. He was in the pit band for that played the music for little Abner. Anyway, side note. All right. Abner, son of Ner, the commander of his army, were lying down. Saul was lying inside the circle of the camp with the troops camped around him. Then David asked Ahimelech, the Hittite, and Joab's brother, Abishai, son of Zeruiah, Zariah, boy, these names, who will go with me into the camp to Saul? I'll go with you, answered Abishai. That night, David and Abishai came to the troops, and Saul was lying there asleep in the inner circle of the camp with his spear stuck in the ground by his head. Abner and the troops were lying around him. Then Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy to you. Let me thrust the spear through him into the ground just once. I won't have to strike him twice. Hmm. But David said to Abishai, Don't destroy him, for who can lift a hand against the Lord's anointing and be innocent? David added, David added, as the Lord lives, the Lord will certainly strike him down. Either his day will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. However, because of the Lord, I will never lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Instead, take the spear and the water jug by his head and let's go. <clears throat> David was a smart man, uh, at least in this, this instance. So David took the spear and the water jug by Saul's head and they went there. And they went their way. No one saw them. No one knew and no one woke up. They all remained asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord came over them. I, almost, I, I love when the Lord gives me a deep sleep. <laughs> uh, so it's some of the best sleep when you be like out having like 10 dreams back to back to back different scenes in a dream. You don't want to wake up from the dream because it's so good. David crossed to the other side and stood on top of the mountain at a distance. There was a considerable space between them. Then David shouted to the troops and to Abner, son of Ner, aren't you going to answer Abner? Who are you who calls to the king? Abner asked. David called to Abner, you're a man, aren't you? Who in Israel is your equal? So why didn't you protect your lord, the king, when one of the people came to destroy him? What you have done is not good. As the Lord lives, all of you deserve to die since you didn't protect your Lord. The Lord's anointed. Now look around. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were by his head? Saul recognized David's voice and asked, Is that your voice, my son, David? My son, David. It is my voice, my Lord and king, David said. Then he continued. It is my voice, my Lord and King, David said. Then he continued, why is my Lord pursuing his servant? What have I done? What crime have I committed? Now may my Lord, the King, please hear the words of his servant. If it is the Lord who has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. But if it is people, may the may they be cursed in the presence of the Lord for today. They have banished me from sharing in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go and worship other gods. 
So don't let my blood fall to the ground far from the Lord's presence, for the king of Israel has come out to search for a single flea, like one who pursues a partridge in the mountains. Saul responded, I have sinned. Come back, my son, David. I will never harm you again, because today you consider my life precious. I have been a fool. I've committed a grave error. This is the second time David could have killed Saul, and he didn't. David answered, here is the king's spear. Have one of the young men come over and get it. The Lord will pay, repay every man for his righteousness and his loyalty. I wasn't willing to lift my hand against the Lord's anointed, even though the Lord handed you over to me today. Just as I consider your life valuable today, so may the Lord consider my life valuable and rescue me from all trouble. Saul said to him, you are blessed, my son, David. You will certainly do great things and will also prevail. And David went on his way and Saul returned home. That was a short quickie. We're almost done, y'all. Let's keep moving. Read these Tony Evans notes. In spite of his earlier repentance, repentance for unjustly pursuing David, Saul again brought his troops to catch David in his hiding place. Brave Abishai would later become one of David's mighty men. Mightily speak, militarily speaking, two against 3,000 didn't make for a good plan. But this was not a military operation. David made it clear to Abishai that he had no violent intent towards Saul. The author of 1 Samuel wanted us to know that the Lord was leading David on this midnight adventure to demonstrate again that though he was the legitimate king of Israel, he was not a usurper or he had no plans to yeah, take over Saul's throne. Possessing Saul's spear in the water jug would serve as evidence of David's goodwill and Saul's close brush with death. Once David was again at a safe distance from camp, he camped out. He called out to Abner and Saul's troops ridiculing them for failing to protect their king. Abner must have felt as if his pockets had been picked when he awoke to find someone had gotten to the king without his even knowing it. Saul admitted, I have been a fool. That's putting it mildly. Mildly. Unfortunately, Saul would not reform his ways. There is no point in acknowledging your foolishness if you insist on continuing to walk a foolish road. Yeah, that's... There's a scripture that talks about godly sorrow leads to repentance, but worldly sorrow. Here, let's read it. Let's find it. Man, it's sad. There was a shooting at a Kroger in Tennessee. Crazy times. Crazy times. Uh, which scripture is it? Second Corinthians seventeen seven ten. Uh, Bible Hub. Which, let's do the NLT New Living Translation. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There is no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance or a true change of heart results in spiritual death. Mm. 
I'm going to have to read more about that. That's a good scripture. Or the NIV says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leads and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Like worldly sorrow is just like you're caught, sorry that you got caught. You're sorry that 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 happened. But you're not really you have no intentions of actually changing your behavior or changing the direction that you're going or seeing that situation the way God sees it. Or even asking God, like, hey, what should I do differently in this situation? You just have every intention to just keep doing what you want to do. So, yeah, I'm just talking to myself right now because I. I'm challenged with that in multiple areas. Uh, All right. We want to hop on the Romans road. We're going to just, we're just going to say this. We're going to say, I'm just going to do a simple altar call at the end of this. For the last of these episodes, I'm not going to do the Romans road. I'll come back to the Romans road. But for these quickie episodes, I'm just going to say, yeah, in John 3, 16. Well, let's do John 10, 10. So John 10, 10 says the devil comes to kill still and destroy, but Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. So devil wants to take you out and lie to you and cause you to not walk in your divine purpose or even just simply have a relationship with Jesus Christ who came to die for you and have and wants to be live on the inside of you so that your life isn't just a complete waste. Um, so that has purpose and meaning while you're here and you get to enjoy the fruit on the other side of uh in eternity of of you walking with him here on earth and the rewards that will come in heaven as a result of living the life that god calls you to um the biggest reward is just the impact you'll make on people's lives here bringing more and more people to christ and you'll when you get there you'll see hey this person is in heaven because I shared the gospel with them. That person is heaven because, you know, I shared the gospel with them. The Holy Spirit led me to even be bold enough to share share the same salvation that I have. And all the destruction. Think about all the destruction. I'm going through this soul care class. And we've been talking about family sin patterns and uh, generational curses. And... um how the greatest gift, greatest legacy you can leave behind for your family is breaking those sin patterns. So say you had your your father, your grandpa, your great grandpa, everybody in your family was an alcoholic. And you are the f- first person in your family to say, you know what, we're going to break this cycle. I'm, I'm not going to give in to alcohol, but you may have tried to do it in your own strength and you ended up finding yourself victim to alcohol. You even went to AA classes. And that's great, but it's going to take the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus Christ living on the inside of you to actually resist alcohol and break that that cycle. And not just alcohol, but that addictive spirit to just anything that would exalt itself above God. Right. Um, You name it. Sexual addictions, um, divorce, if it runs rampant in your family, Um, outbursts of wrath, anger. These generational sin patterns, uh, uh, abortions that have happened in your family or um, rape, incest, these common things that run rampant. Yeah, molestation, all that stuff might be in your family. You say, I'm breaking this pattern. It can be simply as like lying. Your family is known for lying. You can, you can break that. And so it but it takes the power of Jesus Christ because willpower can only take you so far. Meditation and 
yoga and all that stuff can only take you so far. But Jesus Christ actually can transform you and break off those evil spirits that are in operation in your life. So anyway, yeah, John 10, 10 says the devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus came that you would have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. And then lastly, John three sixteen, it's a very popular scripture. Tim Tebow used to wear it on his below his eyes. It says that um, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that who should whatever who would ever believe in him would never perish, but would have everlasting life. Do you want to do one more? Hey, what's going on, Pastor Josh? He came up here sneaking as I'm closing this out. Uh, doing a final little altar call here. I'm decide I'm diverting from the uh, from the Romans road and doing all the scriptures in John. And then lastly, Romans. Uh, sorry, not Romans. John fourteen six says that uh, Jesus said, "I'm the way." I'm the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father or comes to God except through me. So we live in a world that says that there's many ways, there's many roads that lead to heaven. And it's all pretty much the same thing. It's like, no, nah, that's a lie. Satan wants you to believe that. He wants the world to be blind and believe that's true, but it's not. Jesus said there's only one way. I'm that way. I'm the narrow road. And so... You can just simply say, ask Jesus in your heart by the saying, dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. I know I des- my mistakes and my sin, my me veering off on my own path. It deserves to be punished. I deserve the same death that you did on the cross. I deserve to die on that cross. But instead, you sent your son, Jesus, to die in my place so that I wouldn't have to. And I can now have an abundant life here on earth. And I can now have eternal life with you and have a relationship with you. And so I give you my life. I put my trust. I put my faith in you. I ask you into my heart from this day forward. I call you Lord of my life. And I ask you, Lord, to just lead me, guide me, order my steps. And uh, I put my trust completely in you. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. So, um, yeah, welcome to the family from this day forward. You're part of the family of God and I uh, look forward to hearing testimonies as time goes on emails uh, if you say that prayer you can definitely send it to uh, send me an email to chew the bible at gmail.com and I would definitely would love to pray for you so all right we are going to be right back I'm going to do another episode in first Samuel chapter 27 first Samuel chapter 27